Podcast Network Asia. A digital PR professional is someone that's always on top of trends. In the same way that even traditionally, you'd have to have ample knowledge on the most random things. Hi, I'm Kat Trivino. I am the Chief Marketing Officer of Mind Nation Mental Healthcare and Wellbeing Company with the goal of happier, healthier employees. And I'm here to talk about digital PR. We are here to answer questions and debunk job descriptions by interviewing professionals so we can put an end to our career search. This is Job Defined. Thanks, Kat, for being with us today. Um, I normally start off with this question. What was your childhood dream? My goodness. I feel like I'm glad that my parents really encouraged me to go out and explore. Uh, When I was a kid, they put, I think with most people, they put us in varied summer classes, piano and swimming and football, and then just to kind of explore and be active. I'm very grateful that I've gotten the opportunity to experience that. And that made me interested in, in dreaming big. Although they had these things for me that, oh, my wish for you is to be a doctor, the, big, the doctor in the family or a lawyer and all of these things. And I was sharing with you earlier about how a lot of our parents and a lot of us, we, we stick into these traditional titled professions. And I've always felt that my dream was to be traveling. I've always wanted to make sure that wherever wherever I go, whatever I get to do, I get to travel and I get to enjoy what I do. And there wasn't anything locked in na, okay, I want to be an architect or a doctor. It was only later on in high school when I was trying to, when we're asked to figure out, okay, what career do you want to do? And when we're pushed already. So in that time, I was already thinking about wanting to be an architect. And it was kind of a balance because, okay, you get this title, you get this license, and you know, I don't have to deal with blood. I don't have to deal with with all the other things. So that was the quote-unquote dream and I think you you feel it to this day I kind of want to do that but uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's it's led me to different directions all right thanks for that Kat so how did you end up in uh, in PR in public relations long journey I graduated high school pretty early and at that time I was 15 I just turned 15 and I was the eldest in the family and my parents were not comfortable with me going to Manila or to the big city on my own. Nobody was living in Manila and they didn't want me to have my own condo, etc. So it's not that there wasn't trust, but I was the eldest. So they felt like I wasn't ready for that and I was a, a girl. And so when they told me na okay, maybe you should take a quote-unquote easier course. And I say that with air quotes because nothing's really ever easy. And when I discovered the school that was nearest to me, which was in Lasal in Laguna, I decided on comms. I felt that, okay, I'm kind of good at comms. I like doing graphic design, etc. So maybe that's something that might be easy for me. It was a three-year course and it was trimester because of because it was Lizal. And I wasn't so keen on taking ECE or business management. So I went into that. And from there, the whole three years, I did realize that it wasn't that easy. I enjoyed it, yes, but there were a lot of things that I learned along the way that made it feel like, okay, this also takes a lot of hard work, a lot of um, strategizing, etc. And from there, it started opening my doors to a lot of other opportunities. Oh, I can be a broadcaster. I can be a radio jock. I can be news writer. And I went, I actually went into a couple of org, college orgs and I ended up being editor-in-chief also for the college newspaper. And when I went into internship, I got into Nestle and I went into the HR department. Well, I was helping out the 
parang college programs that they had. So I'd go to college fairs with them, recruit budding talents, and I worked on this thing called the Mile program. So it's um leadership program that they get college students and do a week or a month long training and then they eventually get absorbed in the Nestle organization. And my then boss who is the head of HR in Nestle, she had inspired me so much. Every time I'd go to the career fairs with her, I'd see her talk, I'd see her inspire these kids and I'm just like in awe of her. I knew, and I knew that I wanted to do something like that. I wasn't so keen on HR. I knew that was a totally different field, but I just wanted to inspire and be as as confident as her. So from there, I went into a couple of other marketing gigs. I started with a startup and moved to media. I went into Mega Magazine. I started doing marketing for them. They, I guess they realized that I knew how to write. So I went to become an editor also for their website. And that also opened my eyes to the whole PR world. When I started seeing like the way the dynamics of media and these PR agencies and the brand, I was so excited about it. At first you'd see that it was the glam of like getting free stuff because you're media or you're an influencer and you'd see how the events are run and all the, the glitz and glam of everything. I got so excited about it that I wanted to actively pursue it as well. So that's how I got into it. Was there a point in uh, your career that really stuck with you where you mentioned when you, was it mega when you saw the world of PR? Was there a specific event that you saw, okay, this is really for me? Well, during mega, I went into a couple of other things because I, I think my parents kind of didn't understand what that whole role was um, at that time entering as as a writer but for the website they felt like oh you know it's not print it's not it's just a, it's just writing for the website it was such a big thing back then and they felt that there wasn't any future in digital unfortunately a lot of people that were um, that I also talked to about it they didn't see how how big and important it was going to be in the near future but i knew that there was something more to just digital and i knew that there was something more to just writing about about the product i wanted it to connect to the consumers i wanted to to learn how to create demand and during that whole stint in mega i went into different other things my mom signed me up for this flight crew program she she got me into Cebu Pacific and to PAL and i actually just you know decided to okay, yeah, i'll try it out I got into it and went to my first day of training and I realized it wasn't for me. The same year, I also did a beauty pageant. And I was thinking like, I feel like I want a platform to inspire people. And I thought maybe that's the easiest way for me to get noticed, to start talking about my advocacies. And while I was building my advocacies and while I was there in the pageant, I was like, no, this is not for me. So it's it's not an automatic click that maybe this is the right thing for me. Because at the time, the thing that I was exploring, the digital PR landscape, and even generally the digital world, was not something defined by anyone. It was growing and all brands were just learning about it. PR professionals were learning about it. And there's no one really that I could talk to and ask, like, how do I do this? How do I perfect this? And that curiosity was what got me to continue exploring it. And me wanting to be like, okay, I want to define this job, this opportunity for myself is what really got me to move forward with marketing and PR. Okay. I'm trying to connect things here. You mentioned earlier that you were inspired when you saw your mentor in Nestle doing talking in public. And at the same time, you joined the pageant. You wanted to have a platform. Is it in any way, if I'm going to be very black and white about it, so is it literally you like to be in public and literally you want to be relating in public? Is that? You know what? Honestly, I don't like admitting it to myself because I am generally such a shy person. I'm an introvert. 
weird. But like, if you talk and ask people of my high school friends or like my, my even my grade school friends, they're like, I'm the most quiet person ever. I do not like being in front of people. I don't like I don't like talking in front of people. I get unbelievable stage fright and. I, a lot of people have told me like this is the PR is the last thing that I would have expected you to get into, and maybe to a certain extent it was because of that. It was because I don't like being limited. Oh, you're gonna tell me that I can't do this? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna prove to you that I can. And the same thing with the limitation. Well, it's not limitations, but like my parents always used to think that they, you know, being doc, a doctor or or a lawyer is the most noble thing that you can be. And yes, to some extent, yes, the doctors save lives. Lawyers also do. But I wanted to also prove to them that there was also something beyond all those traditional roles. And if it was going to take me having to really carve out my own path and define a new job, define and inspire people and create a platform for myself along the way, I'm going to do that. So basically, you are in the industry of digital PR. And you mentioned earlier that you wanted to defy, but you mentioned that just because I'm in the work, PR would be the last thing. Is that one of the common misconceptions about the digital PR practice? What are some of the misconceptions about PR? Uh, the profession of PR. I always used to think then that it was just mostly glitz and glam and it was going to be easy. I'll just send, I guess I'll just send people free stuff and then hope that, you know, something hits along the way. And um, I get always all these access to free things, etc. And and it's always about being outward and being an extrovert, etc. But that's only like, honestly, like 20% of what we really do a lot of it takes a lot of um, mind work and, and it's a lot of strategizing and learning about who you're talking to. It's not just because, for example, you reach out to a certain media and hope that because they have such a wide net, you attract possible consumers, you attract possible buyers. It's a lot of learning also and understanding psychology and how people think, how people get to decision-making. And that also got me so, so interested with the whole industry. Because you're not just casting a wide net and hope something sticks. You're understanding the minds of people, understanding what makes them tick. And then you start realizing that these are skills that you can also apply to your daily life when you're influencing others, when you're building your advocacy. Because separate from my day job, I have several advocacies, but one of which I turned into my actual job. And I got to use a lot of the skills that I had been honing in my digital PR career, in my PR career. And a lot of these is understanding who you're really talking to, why they think this way, what is the change in mindset that you want them to have. And those are things that you don't see in the PR industry. What you see is, okay, the parties, the events, the glamour, the free stuff. And you see people reaching out to all these influencers and getting in touch with celebrities. That's literally the easiest part of the whole thing. Actually, you got me interested in the part where you, the reasoning behind the PR is the change in mindset. So I want to expand on that further. Yeah. Well, I used to think that when you're talking, when you're doing PR, it's just about introducing a product and then making sure that there's as much reach as possible and then hoping that it attracts a person along the way, a person who already has the mindset. But the real challenge is, is getting people to not only be interested in your product, but become loyal to it and have it as top of mind. And it's not just in bugging them with all these ads and hoping that, you know, your jingle works and hoping that it becomes a meme or it becomes something that's in pop culture, but the change in the way they do things, the change in what is this, what's your product stand for that is applicable to their daily life? How will this change my life? And how will why will I care about your product? Why will I care about your brand? Because each and every brand 
or organization has a mission and has a vision. And these are not necessarily directly linked. They're not, yeah, they're not direct to, to what the, the, the features of your product are. For example, of course, the highlight of my PR career, of course, is getting into Jollibee. It's getting into digital marketing and brand PR for Jollibee. And I was very uh, privileged to have worked on the Quantum Jollibee campaign that went viral, that stuck to a lot of people and became part of pop culture. And that's honestly the marketer and the PR person's dream to, to be in that level of virality and you know, and it make it stick. But if you noticed, it wasn't solely just about the product. It was about the brand and talking about the brand values. And having people message and say like, oh, I bought so much Chicken Joy because of this. I bought so much Yum Burgers because of this. It's only a little thing versus the message of people saying that they had a complete change in mindset or it made them want to reach out to their dad, make them, made them want to tell the truth to the person that they love. And those are life changes in, in, in life decisions and in, in mindsets that ha- stuck with them. And it, the brand suddenly started to mean something different to them other than, oh, this is where I get chicken joy. That's something that I want to keep doing for every product that I do PR for for every brand that I do PR for, to elevate it and make it more than just, here's a product and I'm trying to sell it, I'm trying to make money. I want it to be more than that. Actually, I I really like that campaign. And it reminds me of a saying that people will never forget how you made them feel. And the genius there is you made them feel and then you were able to attach the brand to it. And the feeling of warmth, the feeling of family, whatever the agenda of that particular campaign was, it was really attached to the brand. And to me, I was like, wow, that's everything was interconnected. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Quantum Jollibee as well. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> so in the job of PR, what are the things that others don't see or maybe what should they see if they want to get into the digital PR landscape? Oof. I, mentioned, I mentioned so much already about the strategy and learning how people, what makes people tick. Mm-hmm. But since, for example, digital PR, it's still kind of a moving target. There's always something new. Tomorrow, we might wake up and have a completely different platform and Facebook might not be the same thing that it was that we knew. So it's hard to have like, sometimes people don't even have books anymore on Mm. how digital PR works because, you know, the next minute, it could just totally change and be a thing of the past. And more than anything, you have to always be, constantly learning and innovating and doing something new. And a lot of times, you know, the things that we used to think were instant hits would become a thing of the past. Like, for example, case in point with, with Quentin Jollibee, um, a lot of the, the videos, we created actually about 50 plus more videos after that, and not a lot of them stuck as well as the first series. And Although, you know, we had this solid group of fans that, you know, just stuck out and, and waited for it every single time it came out, it didn't attract as much people anymore. And we kept putting like, okay, here's new fresh money for it, etc. In the same way with, for example, you have these viral ads of the weird, really weird um, ads that you, that you see with Danes or the tuna ad. It's going to come to a point where that's not going to work anymore. And you always have to be constantly moving and thinking about, okay, what's the next thing that would be relevant to my brand that would create the most impact and would maximize the space or the new platform that I'm in? Algorithms are always changing. And people's minds are also always changing. So you have to keep up with that. And a lot of the, the legwork that comes with being able to do that is a lot of reading, a lot of strategizing, a lot of looking into data and making research and insights your best friend. That's actually good insight, Kat. I have a question. Is there a stark difference between the traditional PR and digital PR? Or it's just basically the same? It's just that the medium is the same or the medium changed? I think I came into the industry when there was already a shift from traditional PR to digital PR. I wasn't so knowledgeable. And, and I'm going to be very honest when I say like, you know, that that's something that 
also didn't appeal to me the way that they used to do traditional PR. We have to go by the definition first. They think that traditional PR is just solely on the medium. When you say, oh, we have thread, those are your print, your, your radio, your TV, etc. And the, that digital PR was influencers, social media. But you kind of see now that they're kind of merging. And to some extent, there are also now print um, magazines dying. That The way that people consume magazines is not the same anymore. And to some extent, I don't know, when was the last time you bought a magazine? Would have probably been a while. And when you think about it, it's not so much as in the medium, but the way that you know we reach out to to these channels. And I would say that more or less it's the same because traditional PR, the traditional mediums, people who are working there, and the versus digital, it's all about relationship. It's also all about relationship. Uh, when you get to identify the right channel, it could still be radio because uh, still uh, a lot of people have more access to radio and TV versus digital. It could still be radio. It could be digital or influencers. But at the end of the day, if you don't have that direct connection and that understanding of what they do, what their content is, and the way they do it, it's going to be a disconnect. And they're not going to carry or they're not going to promote your story, your brand, your product, as well as you'd like it to. Mm, okay, that's actually interesting. And I, I want to understand, in your own words, how would you define the job of a digital PR professional? It's a lot. It's, there's, there's so many things that, gets, that happens when you're a digital PR professional. But a digital PR professional is someone that's always on top of trends, and has a good connection for you. It has a very good connection or relationship with media people, with influencers, with whoever is the right point person for this product. In the same way that even traditionally, you'd have to have ample knowledge on the most random things. Like if you're in an agency, digital peer agency, you can't just choose now, oh, I'm just going to promote cameras or, or phones. Or you know, when you're an agency, kind of, want to take in as much clients as possible. And you kind of get this weird like amount of knowledge of random things. I have unbelievable knowledge in the way the QSR fast food industry works. And now that I'm not in it, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> but it's a lot of that and a lot of deep dive and understanding on these industries that you're promoting. Because you cannot be, you call yourself a PR professional if, for example, an influencer, media person comes to you and asks you about things and you're not familiar with it, you don't know the background, you don't know how the back end works, you have to always be connected to all the different twists and turns and gears that work within your organization. How does your HR within your organization work? How is your product manufactured or made because digital PR or PR in general is not just a one, one, thing, one thing. It's not just solely talking about a product or talking about chicken joy or the burger. Because sometimes, and this is what kind of gets tricky when you're already in the digital landscape, they ask the most insane things because of the cancel culture that we're in now. Sometimes, and some a lot of, especially with Gen Z and the generations after, they look deep into your organization. If Even if they love the taste of your product, even if they love your brand overall, the aesthetic, if, for example, you're not, you're, oh, there are malpractices or you're not sustainable in the way that you produce your, your products or you're not hiring diverse people, they're not going to be as attracted to it. And it's your job as PR to know and understand every anything and everything that goes on your organization so that you're able to speak about it and you're able to put your organization or your brand in a better light. So as I said, it's a lot of things that you kind of get to take in. And it's super exciting if you have the right mindset for it, if you're constantly looking and constantly have that thirst for knowledge and doing more. 
Actually, speaking of mindset, the way you were describing it, the word that's in my head is you got to have an always on mindset. It seems like you have to be aware of a lot of things. How do you deal with that? Is that something that our listeners should be aware of? If you're going to be in PR, especially in digital PR, get ready to have an always on mindset. What are your thoughts on that? I think honestly, for any organ, any role that you take in PR, engineering, being a doctor, it's an always-on mindset if you, you're always looking for growth, right? And when you have that growth mindset, you don't think about being always-on. You're just automatically always-on mm -hmm. because you always think about, oh, hey, this is something that I can improve on. Oh, this is a good idea. And sometimes they get to you in the weirdest, in the weirdest times, even when you're supposedly off, like in the shower or doing yoga or whatever. Because you're constantly looking for growth, constantly looking for ways to improve yourself, it comes naturally to you. And that's a great habit or mindset to have with any profession that you're in. So don't be pressured about, oh, I have to always be on the lookout for new trends, etc. Natural PR people, natural people who marketing people, they're it's it's innate in them having that kind of mindset that's like like a sponge absorbing and always looking for new things and it's exciting but for some of course it's not they do want their absolute off times that's that's fair too i my mental health advocate uh, hat would say that you know it's important to have those off times and you can but set the proper boundaries but again generally a growth mindset is very important, not just for PR, but for everything. All right. That's a really nice way to put it, Kat. Speaking of, we're discussing about the things that you're mentioning that all professionals should have as well, which is you know not just being the on mindset, but growth mindset. For digital PR, what does it take to be a digital PR professional? Like what types of specification or in the, to be technical about it, the job specification of this particular profession? Right. You know, I would say the automatic thing is to get into a comms-related course, right? Comms-related course, and then to practice. Even if you're the most introvert person in the world, you're going to have to speak at one point. And practicing how you enunciate, practicing how to speak publicly, and gaining that confidence is very, very important skill to have. It's going to be good. But... Another thing that I always tell um, people that I work with or, or interns that work, work with me is, you know, find that, get your marketing head into it. Market yourself. What is your USP? What is something unique to you that will make you, quote unquote, irreplaceable? For, like, for example, for me, I am not just uh, your run-of-the-mill PR person. If push comes to shove, I know how to design I know graphic design. I can code websites. I can do, I can cure audio. And knowing all of these things gives me a clearer picture of what I want. So when things come to me from, for example, creatives or from when posters or photos get sent to me, I can actually, I have that eye just to see that, oh, this is wrong or this shouldn't take this long, etc. I have that, that background as well. And being able to expose yourself in different other different industries and other different skills is something that you should be looking forward to. I said that the course you should most like probably take is comms related, but I have worked with many, many people that don't have that course. The girl that I was working with in Jollibee who was reporting with me graduated from a chem course. But the thing that, that was absolutely amazing with her was that she knew how to speak well she knew how to explain her thoughts she had the confidence and she had that growth mindset she always wanted to learn and do more and it ended up with her even getting promoted and getting into new into new organizations that also were similar to that role and she's she's still growing so it's not so much, I wouldn't put anyone in a box and say, you have to do this. If you are in a comms course, that's great. You get the basics, you get fundamentals, probably how to, how to write, 
the basics of broad design or production, etc. But you know, I wouldn't put it beyond anyone if they came from a different course. Okay, thanks for that, Kat. Now, who is digital PR for, personality-wise? Who is it for? <laughs> I'm automatically thing would be saying like it's for outgoing people, for extroverts. But you know, I'm proof that that's not true. I only. <laughs> I feel like to some extent, you know, we shouldn't be putting people in an introvert, extrovert role. But there are people like that. There are people that, you know, really need more time to recharge and be with themselves. And then they can go out again and do these things. The thing with uh, being an introvert or extrovert is you shouldn't say, you shouldn't stop yourself and say that, oh, I can't do this because I'm an introvert. That's something that is an absolute no-no when you're getting into PR saying that you can't do something, right? Unless it's completely out of your values. For example, like, oh, I can't do PR for you because you're a whitening product. And that's beyond, that's not something I advocate. Good on you. Good on you for doing that. But on other things, limiting yourself, like, oh, sorry, I can't speak because I have stage fright, etc. That should be a mindset of someone that, you know, really doesn't want to grow. And if you're looking for something super chill that, you know, will not wake you up at night and you feel like, you know, I don't want to be a doctor because I don't want to get midnight calls um, because of an emergency or whatever, PR isn't for you either because we also get crisis and we also deal with the most insane crisis because things happen, emergencies happen, and people have different changes in, in mindset or something Fs up, then... You got to be on call for that. And it will also require sleepless nights. It will also kind of like change your your sleeping schedule or or the way that you do things. So it has to be someone that's on top. It's someone that's that's ready to go and always has that energy to, to do more and be more. Hi, I'm RJ Ledesma. Get inside the heads of the country's sharpest and most innovative business personalities and entrepreneurs. Hack your way to success as you learn more about how they think about business. What are their best practices and success secrets? How do they innovate their businesses during the pandemic? And what opportunities do they see in the new normal? Join me on the Arzila Desma Podcast. It's good that you mentioned about crisis management because normally when you say PR, it's all the glitz and glamour, but the other yeah. side of it is also crisis management. Can we expound on that? <laughs> I am not the best with crisis management, <laughs> I, but I did come from telco. So uh-huh. that's saying one thing, right? When I, after Mega, I got into digital PR with, with a telco brand and you know, I, I, of course, don't want to name names. I'm sure that, you know, a quick Google search on me knows, you automatically know where that is. But when you're, when you're in teleco generally, and I think I speak on behalf of all people who are in the teleco industry, is that it's so cutthroat. Even if you have the smallest, or for example, it's 200 pesos load, people are going to make a big deal out of it. And it's, that's important for you to honor because that's still their hard-earned money. And they feel like it's not, it doesn't turn into something tangible. It doesn't turn into, oh, a food I can eat or or something I can hold. They think that, you know, it's just easy for a telco company like Globe or Smart to just give back or return. And when you're in there as well, there's a lot of technicalities that go on. People that you have to talk to, LGUs, the government that plays a huge role in the ways of working. I used to always think that it's easy, just put the cell site there and it'll, everything will, be, will work out fine. No, most of our cell sites are privately owned and they only rent the land from these different LGUs or these different privately owned um, lands also. And I never used to think of it that way. This is another example of me having random knowledge of, <laughs> of random things. and. The more that I got into knowing about the back end of Telco, the more that I realized, oh my goodness, this is so complicated. This is 
not something that you know anyone can just flick a finger and totally change everything. There's so many things that happen, and a lot of it has to do, of course, with the different mindset of people. There would be areas where, for example, okay, the government would be or the LGU would be more lenient in putting up a cell site, but you have the whole um, community against cell sites because they think it's linked to cancer. They think that 5G is linked to cancer. And at the same time, when you take out the cell site, they start complaining that there's no signal. And you're like, how do I explain this in the nicest and the most, the easiest way for them, for them to actually understand that no cell sites don't give you cancer? And we've tried everything. We've tried putting doctors there. We've tried putting engineers there to try to explain. And it's so hard. And you realize that it's your role as PR to kind of bridge that gap because the doctors and the engineers would be super, super technical and they won't get the message across to these regular people who are trying to just understand why there, there's no signal when they were the first ones who took it out in the first place. And when you get into to that kind of thing and that kind of dilemma that's called a, a crisis and that's actually like the the smallest crisis i've possibly ever experienced you realize that that it's a lot of explaining and understanding and getting to the root of the problem and you have to talk to so many people engineers this side that side and then craft the statement that's that will make the least amount of risk to your brand and for me, a lot of people and a lot of brands get this wrong because automatically they think that when it comes to crisis PR, mitigating crisis, it's always about protecting your brand. Yes, but you know, a lot of consumers, a lot of um, the public, they want transparency. They want you to be honest. They like brands that go above and beyond. And maybe if they, there is a mistake, they admit their mistake. And even if that wasn't their mistake, they want um, the brands to communicate it in the most understanding and compassionate way that doesn't automatically brush it under the rug. Na, ah, 200 pesos lang yan. Why are you making it such a big deal? You want to be compassionate because people now, they don't want brands that don't care. Parang when you think about it, when you think about falling in love, it's, it's so easy to fall in love with a brand like Jollibee. But falling in love with a telco brand, that's kind of hard. There are going to be days na parang, nope, it's not working for me. But knowing and setting up the brand that is compassionate and understands where their loyal customers or their customers generally are coming from, that's something that a lot of PR professionals don't get to do easily. And it takes a lot of understanding compassion to get it right yeah wow actually the way you put it you basically humanize it so that's a yeah. really good, it's a really great answer kat i mean crisis management it seems like it's something that something needs to be solved but i think the way you mentioned it it needs to be understood thanks for that right now i want to ask well not really ask but just basing it from my from our conversation the way you started your career in PR is, I think, one of the turning points that you mentioned was when you saw your mentor speak to an audience, yes. basically a platform, and then at the same time, a strong message to the students back then. And then at the same time, with all your, your experiences, everything seems to fall into place. And as you transition now into something new, which is, it seems like being PR, it also helps if you have a strong advocacy. Everything mm -hmm. fell into place right now with your current profession right now or your current business or yeah can you tell us more about how everything fell into place from your work experiences to where you are now it wasn't easy but i do believe that it, i'm more privileged than most and i kind of say that from a point of as much humility as i can mm -hmm. and i'm really glad that i got to to reach out or talk to or expose myself to i guess the right people and know have their hat right head on my shoulders to identify, okay, this is good for me, for my growth, for my advocacy, and this is not, right? As I mentioned, it it wasn't just as a straight road for me because at the time that I was still working towards digital PR, that thing wasn't set. It wasn't like 
being a doctor where, okay, first you get into internship and then you get here and then you do the specialty course, etc. It's not a clear-cut line. I had to kind of explore that, that path on my own and understand who I need to talk to, what I need to do. And throughout that journey, I realized that also um, a lot of what I do off hours has a lot to do with where I wanted to be. What did I spend most of my time on? What did I value? And from there, I started learning about the things that most appealed to me, things that I knew was going to make me excited to wake up every day and make a difference. And it was in environmentalism. It was in mental health. And I think what part of what attracted with me to mental health was also learning about the psyche and, and how what makes people tick. And all those kind of just connected and made sense to me that when I was carving out, okay, my next steps in my career, I've been in, in Jollibee for five, five incoming six years. What was the next step? It will take a lot of guts for me to, to jump the gun and, and you know do something that's completely on my own. But that's always been my mindset. And if I'm going to hold back and say, no, I'm comfortable with this brand or I'm comfortable with corporate, then it, I'm not going to grow. I felt like things started to fall into place only when things started getting hard. And it's only when you're really pushed against the wall, when you realize this is what's important to me. No, I'm going to push forward and do this because this is something that I believe in. When you're in your comfort zone or when you're in that eternal high of like, oh, I'm the best and I'm going to keep doing this, then it's really not going to make you hyper-focused on what's important. I've always said that having big budgets in marketing budgets makes you kind of dumb because you don't think about who you're talking to. You don't think about where, where to put your money in. Everything's just, everything's possible because you have a big budget. Let's do an event here. Let's talk to this influencer. Let's talk to that. When you have small budgets, you have to be smarter with your decisions and you focus on the important important things, important people to talk to, important channels, the right message to say because you only get one shot. And that's the same thing, that's that's the same mindset that I have with um, my career. I think I posted it in in LinkedIn and it gained a lot of um, engagement. For you to be successful, you have to have a PhD. You have to be poor, hungry, and determined. And when you're in that PhD mindset, when you're, when you're again, pushed against the wall, you realize that the next steps become a lot clearer to you and you become more intentional with your next steps. So when I started thinking about the, the decisions that I, that I had to make, on my fifth year of, of corporate, I said that it's a pandemic. I don't want to be stuck. You know, I, I'm comfortable with, with living day to day, doing this, selling burgers, whatever. And I love it. And it's fulfilling for a lot of people in that organization. But I feel like I'm not growing anymore. And at the same time, there's this growing need for mental health that I'm definitely aligned in. And I have the capacity to build that organization ground up. And now is the perfect time to do it. So I'm going to get on that. I'm going to grow and learn along the way. Sure, I might have a lot of misses, but that's how we all start with our careers. That's how we all start to grow when we're, when we're not at our best. And we realize, okay, this is how I grow this organization. And again, I'm in a completely new industry where I'm marketing something that has so much stigma and something that's completely new for everyone. And that makes me so excited. So it's not so much as to having that, that clear path or, or having all the cards there for me, but I had to make sure that I was uncomfortable to make that clear. All right. Actually, true to your words, you really do have a growth mindset, Kat. I have to commend you for that. I really like what you mentioned earlier, and I think I got my quotable quote from you. You mentioned that everything fell into place when it got hard. And when you were pushed against the wall, I was like, wow, it made me smile. Maybe can you expound on that? Because I think I want to harp on that as well. When you mentioned yeah. what, everything fell into place when it got hard, can you can you right. expound on that further? 
Great. And I know this resonates with you because I've seen you post about this a lot <laughs> about, you know, how you were also pushed against the wall. And that's inspiring. And I think those are, it's only when things get hard that you kind of understand it's, it's two things that you do. It's either you completely give up or you push it and you say, no, this is gonna, this is something that's, I all the more believe now that this is something that's for me. And I realized that when I got diagnosed with depression in 2018, and I was at the peak of my career. I had just launched Quentin Jollibee, and I was getting all these amazing awards. I was, um, and the funny thing was, I was called in as one of the 30 under 30 young marketers in Cannes Lions, and I was, uh, I flew to Cannes, France for a month-long trip, business trip, to learn from different marketers from all over the world. And I was exposed to 30 other marketers, other young marketers who were supposedly the same level as me. And I was hit so badly with an imposter syndrome of sorts. Like they're doing such amazing things and they're so smart. Why am I here? And it didn't help also that at, I was already experiencing several amounts of self-doubt even before getting there. When I came into that 30 under 30 thing, I was like, I don't think that I deserve to be here. There's so much more people in the organization that deserve to be in this spot. And when I got to um, finish that course, I went to, I went to Paris just for like alone time. And I was just crying. I was just crying because I felt like I didn't deserve it. I felt like this wasn't for me. And I felt like I was really at my lowest. And at the same time, I let go of a lot of things because I focused so much on my career and about, about building this, this PR career, career that I crafted for myself. I let go of hobbies, other external stuff, my passions. I let go of relationships. And I realized that without my career, if I'm starting to doubt my career, I feel like I'm nothing. And I was, like, I was there in Paris and I was just crying. And I, I really wanted to end my life that day. And I was like walking along and I was like so alone. And you're in the friggin' city of love. You're supposed to be surrounded and, and inspired. And you're in a dream place. You're 20, how, how old was I then? 26? I was 26. And I'm, I did this all on my own. This is my dream. I told you at the beginning that my dream was to be traveling. Whatever I was, I'm going, to, I'm going to travel. And why am I not happy? Why is this, this feel like it's not for me? And when I got back to the Philippines, like, uh, and I thank God every day that I, I, I got the energy to like move forward. But when I got back to the Philippines, I didn't want to go to work. And I always called in sick. And Even though I was receiving awards here and there, I couldn't help but stand in front of people and, and think that this is, I don't deserve this because I'm nothing. And I went to a psychologist, my first time to go to a psychologist. And he started, we started talking about all the things that I kind of pushed under the rug because I focused so much on making my career the whole of who I am and making sure that I am defined by my career. It's supposed to be the other way around. And when I, when I started realizing that, I started looking for, okay, um, the psychologist consultations and the medication that I, was, was, I, was, I needed to do was racking at so much cost. I realized the ugly side of mental health care, which is it doesn't exist. There was no reimbursement for, for medications with any HMO, not just with my organization, but with any HMO that I called because I wanted to do, okay, maybe I need it for my personal stuff. No mental health care. Psychologists are scarce and very expensive. Could take up to three to 4,000 pesos per hour just for you to cry and talk about your problems. And I had felt how important that was for me, for me to improve in my career And when that was happening, I started realizing, I wonder how many other people or how many other women 
experience the same thing of feeling worthless or feeling like they don't amount to anything, even when at the, they're at the peak. What more if they're not? What more if they're not doing their jobs well? Do they, does it, is it solely about the skill? It's not always about the skill. Sometimes it's, it has something to do with our mindset, how we live our lives every single day. And from there, I realized that, okay, this is not just a, supposed to be about, about my career. It's supposed to be about every single day and the mindset that I have towards work and how I defined myself. And I wanted to make sure that no other, no other person, especially even the high-flying ones, ever felt that they were lost and they wouldn't amount to anything. And from there, I just started to clear up like, okay, this is something that I can focus on because I've experienced it. I've been there. And to make it my career now, something that, that I, I can set an organization from the ground up and change people's mindset, change leaders' mindsets, and hopefully contribute to organizational growth, that's amazing for me. And every day now, I wake up, that's clear. And I wake up early in the morning, and I'm like, yes, thank God, I have another day that I can just talk about the things that I love, and it just spews out of me. And I think you can feel that. And I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be, feel more fulfilled. I think it just goes full circle here from uh, falling into place, full circle. I heard it again, change in mindset. And from having a platform, seeing your mentor before when you were doing your internship, changing the yeah. mindset of the people, public relations, everything is interconnected. And I'm glad everything fell into place for you, Captain. I, I like what you mentioned earlier that you felt like you were just your career. Yeah. If that was taken out from you, it seems like uh, it threatens our identity. Because I think uh, moments like you don't get hired or fired from your job or some businessmen when they, it closes down or failing grades or failing careers, we are often shaken and doubt starts to creep in. We start to lose grasp of who we are. And I think that's when the hurt begins. So I, I remember that because uh, I've seen that as well with other professionals. And I always mention to them, let's not forget that we are also someone else. That uh, you can be a loving father, a caring mother, a loving uh, sweet daughter, a thoughtful son, a best friend, or a lover. You are not your job, your business, or your grades. So always remember that there's always some that you are also someone else in someone else's eyes. So yeah, thanks for sharing that story, Kat, and that reminded me of things that not just me but also to our listeners that they think that they are their career. It's not all about careers. It's a part of us, but always remember that. There's always, you're always someone else in someone else's eyes. Thank you so much, Kat, for uh, giving us time. I believe time is one of the best currency out there. Uh, money spent, you can earn it back. Time spent, you can never get it back. And thank you so much for the time that you've given us. And so I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's basically it. Job Define is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia. Check out all the shows in the network by visiting their socials at Podcast Network Asia or visiting their website at podcastnetwork.asian. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.